Hey, Mid 50 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. We are the messenger of good news. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. Time now for our moment on the lighter side. In this Linton season, we are interviewing a special guest who was actually there the day that Jesus died. Sir, are, are you there? I, yes, I don't yes. Know yes. I, oh, good, good afternoon, Gary. Yes, I'm here. Good afternoon, sir. If you don't mind, I'd like to begin with a little review of your story for those who might not have been with us last week. Well, if, if you think that will help. Yeah, I, I really do. We are talking with the rich young man of the Bible. If our listeners remember the story, our guest wanted to be one of Jesus' disciples, but he was rejected by Jesus. Well, now, now you know, that's how I felt at first, too. But in retrospect, it's simply not so. That day I went to Jesus to be his disciple. I was the one who rejected him. Uh, Jesus did not reject me. But honestly, Jesus did ask you to do more than he asked the other disciples. After all, he asked you to sell all you had and give it to the poor. And only then could you follow him. That was asking a lot of a man with my uh, extreme wealth. But you are wrong in suggesting he asked more of me than anyone else. As our mutual friend St. Peter once said to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? No, what Jesus asked of me is no more than he asked of any man. But regardless, I I'm not here to talk about myself. I, I want to talk about what happened that day when Jesus was crucified. Right. As you mentioned last week, since you hadn't become a disciple, you really can't comment on the events that led up to the crucifixion. But on the other hand, you were a witness during his death on the cross. Yes, I, uh, I was uh, fortunate to be in a position to carefully observe all that went on. But more importantly, I was close enough to hear what Jesus said. You mean the seven last words on the cross? Yes, simple phrases each, but all which have a tremendous meaning for Christians of all ages. I would like to start with a word that had the most impact on me. Although, actually, come to think of it, it was, it was more like the second most important word I heard that day. And why was this particular word so important to you? Well, as I said, I, I don't want to talk about myself. Perhaps later we can discuss the personal significance of this word. But once you hear the phrase I'm talking about, you'll understand how important it is to all people who follow Christ. And which of the seven words of Christ do you want to begin with then? Well, to, to really appreciate the power of this particular word of Jesus, we need to see it in the context in which it was spoken. Uh, if you could read Luke's record of the crucifixion, starting at chapter 22, verse 32. Okay, verse 32, chapter 23. Uh, okay, I've got my Bible right here. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ, he's the chosen one. Then the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him some sour wine. So the words you wish to focus on today is, Father, forgive them? Exactly. And isn't it remarkable? They nailed him to the cross. They gambled for his garments. They mocked him, spat on him, abused him. <laughs> and yet he prays for them. Did you mock him too? Yes, yes, I, I admit it. 
I, I mean, why wouldn't I? The crowd did. The soldiers did. And so, yes, I too added my words of ridicule. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But as I said, uh, the remarkable thing was he prayed for my forgiveness, just as he prayed for the forgiveness of all those who were there. It is surprising that a man would forgive the very people who are scoffing at him and murdering him. At the time, it, it shocked me as well. But, but in retrospect, it, it, it's not surprising at all. What do you mean by that? Well, the word of forgiveness had always been at the center of Jesus' teaching, and it often came up at unexpected times. Well, what are you talking about? Well, as I told you last week, I, I had examined Jesus and his teaching for some time before I had come uh, offering to be his disciple. I was there, for example, that day in Capernaum, when the house was so full that they couldn't have squeezed one more person in the building. You know, you're, you're talking about the time Jesus healed the, uh, the man who was paralyzed. Uh, exactly. Here was a man who could neither move his arms or his legs, but was blessed with friends of faith. Their belief in Jesus was so strong, they were determined that their paralyzed friend would get to see him. With great effort, they hauled their friend up to the roof of the house, cut a hole in it, and gently lowered him down. And I see what you meant before about Jesus' forgiveness coming at unexpected times. To the surprise of the paralyzed man, his friends, and the crowd, instead of healing the man, Jesus said, My son, your sins are forgiven. Perhaps to the surprise of us all who were there. But I'm not so sure it surprised the paralytic himself. Uh, why do you say that? Well, I knew a little bit of this paralytic's background. What a lot of people forget is that Jesus had been to Capernaum before. At that time, all of the sick had come out to see Jesus. But apparently not the paralyzed man. I wonder why that was. For he wasn't just any sick man. He was the worst of the sick men in Capernaum. He was a quadriplegic, incapable of helping himself in the slightest way. Unfortunately, it, it was the thought of my time, as, as it is even today, that such a terrible illness must have been a punishment from God. There are always minor illnesses that all people must deal with, but to have such a permanent disability, surely this was a sign that this man had committed some major sin. And who knows? Perhaps there were things in the paralytic's past that led him to believe that was true. Whatever the case, the first time the paralytic refused to go to Jesus. He probably felt he was too sinful for Jesus to do anything for him. But when Jesus comes to Capernaum the second time, his friends take that paralyzed man to Jesus. <laughs> yes. Can't you picture it, Gary? His friends must have picked him up and said, we're taking you to Jesus whether you want to go or not. Even the large crowd could not deter them as they cut a hole in the roof and lowered their friend down. And Jesus, Gary, do you see, he saw into that paralytic's heart and realized what the man needed first and foremost was the assurance that his sins were forgiven. And Jesus then confirmed the truth of that forgiveness by healing him as well. You know, you're, you're right. Forgiveness of sins was always an important thing for Jesus. I remember a conversation our mutual friend Peter once had with Jesus about forgiveness. I was not a party to that original conversation, but, but Peter did tell me about it as well. Oh, oh, think about it, how Peter thought he had mastered the art of forgiveness, why he boasted he was even willing to forgive his brother as many as seven times in one day. But that's hardly anything compared to Jesus praying to forgive those 
who were mocking him and crucifying him. Indeed it is not. As Jesus told Peter, you should forgive 70 times 7. I just thought of a, another example of how forgiveness was important for Jesus. According to the Gospel of Luke, one of the last things he told his disciples was that they were to go to all the nations proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins. And it's interesting then when he gave the instruction, he also spoke to them of his suffering and death and resurrection. He did these things so that all the world could be forgiven. And of course, uh, since I wasn't a disciple, I, I didn't get to hear those instructions personally. Like you, I'm aware of them only because they are recorded in the Holy Scripture. But I was blessed with hearing his prayer that day that he died. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It is important to remember that's how Jesus always prayed. It goes back to what you said earlier in our conversation. What, what was that? Well, you, you said that uh, Jesus didn't reject you, but you rejected Jesus. It would have to be that way. After all, Jesus wouldn't even reject those who crucified him. Even for such people, he prayed for them. He prayed for their forgiveness. Apparently, he wouldn't reject any man. Y you know, Gary, isn't that exactly what Jesus said? Whoever comes to me, I will never cast him out. Which brings us back to the question I asked you earlier. Is that why these words are so significant to you? Because you felt like you had earlier rejected Jesus? Maybe later I will tell you why these words were so significant to me. But the truth is they are of great significance to all of us who would be followers of Christ. Just like me, haven't we all had times when we despaired of being his disciple? We despair because of our doubts, our sins, or are like me because of our unwillingness to do what Jesus has asked us to do. Or perhaps we despair like the paralyzed man because we face some great trial or feeling of guilt. My point is, we all have times when we wonder whether Jesus will love and forgive us. Is it not a great comfort then to know that even if we would crucify him, he would still pray to his Father for our forgiveness? And, and, you know, in a sense, we all have crucified him because if it wasn't for our sins, he wouldn't have to have died on the cross. And yet he did die. And as he died, he prayed that our Heavenly Father would forgive us. That is true for all of us. I'm still wondering why these words were so significant to you. You are like a dog with a bone, are you not? <laughs> <laughs> now it's not the time to talk about such things, because there are more words, six more words of Jesus that I need to share with you. Words I heard with my own ears that day he was crucified. Well, we look forward to hearing about those words as well, but with your permission, perhaps we can wait until next week, okay? We, we want to make sure that we have ample time to give each of these last words of Jesus their due, but maybe you could tell us quickly what words you would like to discuss with us next week. Well, I, I'm not sure, uh, but, but perhaps having spoken about Jesus' great spiritual prayer, we, we should talk about some of his more down-to-earth words. Down-to-earth? Yes, like, I thirst, or our mother, behold your son. Uh, whatever, we'll see where the Spirit leads. Well, we'll do that. I look forward to talking to you again next week. We are the Messenger of Good News worldwide at KFUO.org, AM 850 here in the St. Louis region.